the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome to the show. This is the Boys of Tech, episode 302 for Monday, the 3rd of November, 2014. My name is Edwin Herman here in the studio in Wellington, and I'm joined over a Skype connection by Ben Sonko. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks, Ed. Ben, I thought we'd kick off this week with a Linux story. (gasps) (laughs) Just for you. Just for you. Wow. (laughs) I thought you'd appreciate that. Uh, it's a story about software di- discrimination, which I guess I should define that before we start. Software discrimination is when a site or a service only works on if you've got certain software or a certain version of software. For example, uh, you may have come across websites that say, sorry, you can't use this unless you're using Internet Explorer and have ActiveX. That's an example of software discrimination. Now, of course, Linux users experience this from time to time. Because every every single day, yeah, every day, pretty much, yeah. Is that so? I, I guess you know, with with Linux, I mean, but you get you get used to workarounds. Um, like you know, I play Diablo sometimes. There's there's no support for Ubuntu uh, or any Linux client on a, on Diab- for Diablo at all, like none at all. But there is for Mac and there is for Windows. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm in quite a good boat because one of the lead developers develops uh, i don't know if he develops on it but he's got a, a linux pc at home and he plays on it so he's part of the community that helps support it oh, right. um, but it's very much a you know the community kicks in and does it and that's, that's the way linux works that's the, that's the way it's always worked it's always been about the community there's quite a few things like that that you won't have and have to you know use a workaround yeah i mean most like a lot of things are but they will, you know, Linux people get them running. You know, mm. there's enough really smart people in the involved to get these things going. So there's there's generally workarounds, um, but you do often get stuck with older versions of software because you know you spend they spend so much time creating a workaround. Then as soon as the new version comes out, it potentially breaks it. So you might end up with an older version for a while. Um, but I guess you could also say the flip. I mean. Like there's reasons why people use Linux. Like there's there's a lot of benefits that we get, and in my opinion, the benefits that we get outweigh the hassle of not being able to use some particular pieces of software. But I guess with that is you have to be able to you have to be at a level at which you can employ a workaround. Not everyone can. Yes, that is true. I that's, mean, most of the most of the problems that I encounter are because of things that I have done to f- to fix something else that has then led to another problem and you end up in this uh, this constant loop which for someone like me is kind of ideal because you're learning the whole time but if you're just a general user yeah that would be very frustrating um, I could understand that mm. so uh, you know uh, taking software discrimination to the next level I was reading a blog. Uh, just in the in the week, being about a, a site, and I think part of this is a publicity stunt. But a, a site, that if you visit it using Internet Explorer seven, you get a message saying they're going to add a six point eight percent tax onto your purchase from them. See, I actually agree with that. 
Do um, you? Yes, be- because of the extra cost that's involved in supporting it. I mean, one of the arguments why a lot of software is not available for Linux is because there's not the market to support it. And that's a valid argument. Like, I don't demand that that Blizzard go out and create a Linux version of Diablo 3 for the, you know, the 2% market share that's using it because it's not it's not economically viable. And if that then led to the game costing more, then again, I'm not going to want that. Like, it's, like, I actually see the reasoning for this. Like, making the, like, breaking a website, and you know where I'm coming from because you've done web development, yep. breaking a website to make it work on yep, IE yep, yep. is the most frustrating <laughs> thing that you can come across. Oh, I know, yeah. um, and that creates pain and anguish and across the board that nobody sees other than the people working on it. So to to educate people through a tax, and it's you know, it's an incentive thing. Like people react to incentives, they work really well. This will help get people away from bad browsers. But isn't it just a cost of doing business? If you want to accept credit cards, there's a cost to that. You don't, I mean, uh, having said that, some companies do slap on a, a credit card tax, but a lot, especially online, people, you know, find that, you know, bad for business. Surely it's a cost that the business should absorb if they wish to service that segment of the market. No, I mean, I think if we're going to, if we're going to take the free market to the logical point that it, you know that you should really take it to the market will pay what the market will pay like yeah, if you yeah. if you deem that it's going to cost someone more to browse on IE7 and is very i mean what operating system uses IE7 like nothing that is officially supported anymore like X, XP was the last one that would have used like Vista's been on IE8 or above for a long time and there's no way you're going to have IE7 running on Windows 7 anymore, or or Windows 8. I've got IE7. So only- I've got IE7 on Windows 7. Why? For testing. Yeah, that's a very different thing, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the only people that are really going to be using it are people on XP. So XP is out of support. It no longer officially exists as a product anymore. So do you want someone hitting your website? that is on an operating system that's no longer supported and is probably absolutely riddled with viruses in a browser that shouldn't be supported anymore and probably is also riddled with malware and various things. Do you want these people on your website? No. Then the best thing you could possibly do is educate them that what they're doing is bad. But how much really, let's quantify this, how much really does it cost to support IE7? If you're developing... A website. Well, let's go. Should- let's go away from that side of it. Let's go away from the the one to one cost factor that needs to be applied to cover the because that's just a nice argument to have. Like, hey, it costs more to support this, and it's like, yes, it is. But the real thing that we should be looking at is the incentive that they're applying. They're trying to incentivize people to move away from IE seven, and that's something that should be applauded. That's a good thing. Yeah, and like I, people I, people I, don't mm. want to learn. The only way you're going to teach them is if they actually have to pay to learn. Mm. Hit them where it hurts, their wallet. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Ben, I guess there's something to be said for this method over the alternative, which is a message that says, sorry, you can't use IE7, goodbye. So at least, yeah. at least you can still proceed, but it's going to cost you more. Having said that, I, I don't know whether it'd be interesting to do a market study on this because my gut feel is that this is going to be bad for business, that people are going to rebel, that it's going to go against them. It's bad press. Who who's going to rebel? Potential customers. Which ones? I the ones s- using IE7. Yeah. 
which is how what what market share of theirs. And I'd like to know the like, I don't even know what the product was that they sold on their website that they've done this, but. I'm guessing that they're they're probably not targeting people running IE seven. Like, do people running IE seven buy something online? Is that? Do oh, they... Well, look, you, I don't think you can generalize. Are they? Surely, surely they they. they... Like they probably make up like one percent of the customer base, and they probably make up about point one percent of the sales. This site, by the way, that you're referring to is kogan.com. K O G A N. They sell bit of everything they sell like utility knives they sell uh, hammock chairs they sell electronic devices they sell padlocks they sell electric toothbrush replacement parts they sell suitcases they sell everything uh, phones tents cables mattresses <laughs> i'm just going down the list right a, now that's a good ad for them it's nice to have them on as a sponsor Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Part of me, and I, I know I said the exact opposite before, but part of me wants to say, maybe it's just better to say, sorry, you cannot use IE7 than, than you can use IE7, but here's your text. And I know I, um, I, th- I think I know I argued the other way just earlier, but it, yeah, it just seems I think mean. what I think what needs to happen is that if you're going to say, hey, you shouldn't be using IE7 and you have to pay more, then you have to make doubly sure that your website works well at IE7. So that they are actually getting a good user experience, like you shouldn't you shouldn't charge like say you can't use it, charge them more, and then make no, it a rubbish. Right, experience. and it still doesn't work completely. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's not fair. But yeah, if, okay, if I agree if with you that. are yeah. actually you know, making it work, then yeah. But and I, I mean, it's it, it made yeah. me sad reading through the Linux argument because it's like yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from, and I do agree with that to a degree. But at the end of the day, I mean. No company that's constantly losing money is going to stay out, you know, stay out there doing that. It's just, it's not going to work. I do think that it was a bit of a, you know, marketing tactic, bit of a marketing stunt. Mm. But anyway, there you go. It's the first time I've heard of that sort of software discrimination where there's a monetary disincentive to use a particular piece of software. It's the first time I've heard of this. It probably took them ages to write that little module as well. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, actually, here's the thing: what if what if they spoof their uh, user agent string with a with a yeah, registry because hack? someone someone on XP and IE seven spoofing their user agent. Yeah, <laughs> Ben, come on, come on! You can't put them all. You can't put them all into one bucket where where the you know computer. Electric. You want a bit? I got a real big plunger, and I can get a lot of people <laughs> in a bucket. <laughs> All right, I want to talk about Skype because Microsoft, we talked about this a while ago that Microsoft early on had earlier on had said that they're looking at a translation service, a real-time voice, you know, uh, uh, dictation and then uh, translation and then back to speech service for Skype. And they've now demoed it. Did you see the demo? No, I haven't seen the demo. It's it's really I mean, you know, look, there are some Errors. It's not perfect as dictation software, dictation technologies, uh, you know, still have some maturing to do. But it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's a, it's a, a Microsoft um, spokesperson um, on the stage, and he is conversing with a woman in German via Skype on the other end, and he simply speaks into Skype 
there's a, a, a second or so delay. And then at the other end, what he said in English is synthesized into German. Is the voice Bill Gates's voice? <laughs> I hope not, because that, that would be a big turn-off. <laughs> I don't really like his whiny voice, but uh, yeah, no, look, it's, I, I think, I mean, you know, we knew this was coming, and, but, you know, the, I guess what's new this week is that Microsoft have released a video, and actually, I'll tell you what, we'll put that video uh, of that demo on our show notes on our uh, website, so boysoftech.com, and just look under episode 302. When did Microsoft buy Skype? Oh, it was a little while ago. Because um, I'm wondering how much of this was in place before they got involved and how much no, involvement uh, they actually well, had. Actually, that's a very good question. I mean, you know, some some things take a while. But, I mean, Sky, uh, Microsoft bought Skype in, I think, quarter two, 2011, about May 2011. Oh, okay, so when, long um, after they probably three, have Yeah, been. three years is probably a, a too long a pipeline, so they probably did that themselves. I, I think, you know, you got to remember, this is, and I've used this term before, this is the new Microsoft. This is not the Microsoft that you and I It's not your mum and dad's Microsoft. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, fine. So they're releasing Office for free? Are they releasing the operating system for free? Are they contributing back into the community? Okay. Are they, uh, are they involving in the open source community? Okay. Yeah, I, I, it's, I it's, it's nothing like the Microsoft that I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, they have changed. I, I can see more, that they have changed. The far, they more device, the far more device agnostic now, because their, their apps online, which they're pushing now as, as uh, the way. They've always, work, I mean, work that on, was how they started, though. They started as the, you know, they were the gaming operating system because anyone could do anything with it on any platform. Like you could, you know, the, the game developers. Sorry, I, I, do- yeah, I was meaning more uh, OS agnostic, sorry, is what I should have said. So, oh, so in other words, their online apps work on iPads. You know, if we had iPads uh-huh. 15 years ago, you can guarantee Office wouldn't work on them. Yeah. Well, then Max, it was Max a as well. Mac version of Office for quite a long time, an official Microsoft version. Ah, uh, yeah, but now see that was only because of a deal struck between Apple and Microsoft. Uh, but you know, you know, ordinary services like for, another one I can think of is Outlook Web Access. That was terrible on anything that wasn't IE Windows, even Firefox Windows. You got the the sort of well, the, the cut almost- down version. It's almost more that it doesn't work in not IE as opposed to not because if you had IE on another operating system, it'd probably be not too bad. But I you know, guess good so. luck getting IE on another well, operating system. Well, exactly. System. How are you going to do that? But yeah, yeah the, the thing is, I guess what the point I'm making is now Microsoft developed for a whole range of hardware and software and OSs, and they understand that people don't live in a Microsoft bubble. And that's what I was meaning by the new Microsoft. And so they are doing a lot of research of their own as well. They're doing a lot of oh, they're definitely doing good things, but in my opinion, they are still the old behemoth, you know. I think that will always linger with them. You're, you're right. They'll never yeah. change completely, but, you know, the old adage about the leopard and not changing its spots. But, yeah. All right, mm. uh, what else? Just looking at trends on tablets as well. I see that um, uh, Apple's having a little bit of a struggle. It's sales are uh, decreasing year on year. That's close to 13% down on iPad sales. However, they are still the lead vendor in position number one, 22.8% of the market. Samsung comes in at number two at 18.3%, and then Asus 6.5%. Although no one is actually number one. Oh, because all the others... Yeah, actually, that's a point. <laughs> I can see what you're doing there, Ben. Uh, all <laughs> others, uh, after Lenovo and RCA, 
uh, everything else is grouped into others, and it's 41.8% of the market. Which is probably all the hardware that's in all the other ones as well. Um, It's probably the same, you know, it's probably all using the same sort of stuff. Um, well, I don't know. Because what are the processors in a lot of them? Are they using ARM or are they using Atom? Or that's a very, very good question. I mean, that 41.8%. If you, I mean, look, RCA comes in at number five and they're at 4.9% of the market. So all the others each have less than, you know, that, less than 5% of the market. I suspect there's a huge amount of cheap, very, very low-end, almost toys coming out, running, probably running Android. There's probably a um, there'd be a small proportion of that that would be high end as well. Oh, uh, possibly. Uh, I, yeah, I, I yeah, don't know yeah. what number, but yeah. there must be some. I guess so. I, I, yeah. I guess so. What's interesting though is uh, Samsung is on the rise. They've had a five point six year over year growth. Lenovo, I mean, is way up at thirty point six year over year, but they'll further down the scale. And so Samsung is effectively catching up to Apple because Apple's going backwards, Samsung's going forwards. And so if this trend continues, Samsung's going to be number one. That doesn't surprise so, me. Yeah. Um, mm. I mean, Samsung and Android have been pretty pretty sort of synonymous for a while. I mean, maybe not maybe not so much Android to Samsung, but definitely Samsung to Android. Yeah, um, and, and also these, by the way, these figures are based on vendor. If you were to look at operating system, uh, Android would be in the lead. Oh, by far, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sig- well, because we can see that iOS is only 22% of the market. Yeah, that's right. Oh, having said that, Windows, the Windows OS, I mean... On a it, tablet? Are they, oh, a surface, yeah, oh, yeah, abs- absolutely. Oh, there must be at least yeah, 100 Windows RT. out there. Yeah, so there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's a, there's a small but amount. No one, but no one most uses a Surface, though. <laughs> no, I look, I, I think it seems to be quite popular. Oh, they've sold some, but I don't think anyone uses them. Because <laughs> what are you going to use it for? It's just sort of nothing. You mean it it's, doesn't? It doesn't. It, it's too fat and heavy to be a a tablet, but not really useful enough to be a, a laptop. Is that what you? Yeah, and yeah. the operating system on it is so restrictive that even if you did want to do anything, you're only going to do one thing at a time, and you're not going to do it very well. So, look, I tell you what, though, Ben, I, if I was looking at the look, if if I wasn't going to go for Apple's ecosystem, I would probably go Windows next. In a tablet. In in, in mobile in, in mobile devices. So yeah. Because uh, I find no Android far, Android is far too fragmented. Do you mean you would actually consider buying a smartphone? <laughs> well, that's that would be a, a radical leap in itself. But yeah, I'm going to have to go there sometime, aren't I? I don't know. I mean, can you really handle a phone with more than twelve buttons? <laughs> so it's quite a leap, <laughs> or even less than twelve. Like even less than that. Like for you, it pretty much has to be twelve or nothing, doesn't it? Isn't that like? Ah, <laughs> uh, now, now. Hey, look, I, I I enjoyed the iPad while I had it. I had the iPad for an iPad for a while. Uh, that that was good. I mean, you know, I it, it's just that. I guess you know, it's one of those things that I know that when I go from a dumb phone to a smartphone, I'm not going to go back. So I might as well hold off. Until I really need to make that leap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're waiting for something in play, if you're waiting for the proper supported Ubuntu phone, then yeah, I can completely understand where you're coming from. <laughs> Is that what you're waiting for? <laughs> uh, it does look pretty good. Like, so if you can get that running on good hardware, it does look very good. And that does look like the future of mobile, where, you know, you, you have 
a monitor or a couple of monitors set up in a docking station and you know potentially the docking station has some RAM and a hard disk and that sort of thing. You just plug your phone in and that's your operating system and then you start using it on that in that area. And then when you're finished, you pick it up, you take it somewhere else. If there's a spare screen, so like so you go to the library, you just plug it into the spare screen, there's your operating system. Like I can see that being the future okay. of computing. Yeah. yeah. Um like yeah, that that does seem that's where we're going, and we're we're getting so close to that now. Um, so that, that that will be a big game changer in my opinion. And you need to have really fast fast hardware to do that. Um, to be switching from a mobile device to running a you know effectively running a desktop. Mm. Well, there are rumours that also Apple is going to uh, head into that market and compete with the Surface Pro, but we'll see. By the way, also speaking of rumours, Apple apparently is uh, tipped to kill the iPad Mini next year. Yeah, I mean, it's not really, it's not really anything, is it? No, I think you know. Right now, I think if this turns out to be true, you know, uh, Steve Jobs in his grave will be saying, you know, I told you so, I told you so, because it was yeah. it was he who said that form factor doesn't make sense. Now, I've been saying the same thing as well. I I really don't, and a lot of people, I it's funny because there are there was a segment of the market out there that was saying we want this, you know, we want the seven inch size. That's what we want. But it seemed like that you know they and they it seemed like they were drowning out the majority saying that doesn't make sense, and I I still say I don't think it makes sense. It, it's it's too big to be a phone and too small to be useful as a tablet. What what's the point? Especially with the latest generation phones that are you know just that little bit smaller than it. Like the phones have got as big, in my opinion, as big as they can get, and it's only that tiny little step to go into the yeah, iPad Mini, yeah. and it's yeah, that's you know. right. There's less, but of that a, is too big. That's definitely too big. Oh, as um, a phone, yeah, but, absolutely. But yeah. then you know, as we said, you know, is how useful is that as a uh, tablet? I mean, I I just don't see it. So I wouldn't be surprised if the rumor of Apple killing the iPad Mini is uh, turns is going to turn out true because it it yeah, it's never made sense to me. Anyway, last story for the week. Taylor Swift wasn't happy with Spotify because, you know, Spotify is obviously a streaming service. Uh, You pay a subscription and you can stream as much as you like. And her latest album, 1989, which, by the way, I have, is on course to sell more than 1.3 million copies. That, if it reaches that, it's going to break the record for the biggest ever album weekly sales by a female artist. Anyway, she's pulled that album from Spotify because she says that she sees it as undervaluing their art because they're basically that you, you know people who subscribe to Spotify can listen to her songs for free. That is quite shocking. Eh? That's, I'm I'm quite shocked that you own this album. Why do you own this album? I, <laughs> it was sent to me through the music company for my radio station. Why didn't you throw it out? Oh look, it's there's look. Actually, I don't know if I. Oh, yes, I do. I've got one song on here. Let's have a look. In fact, I'm right in here now. Which track is this? This is track number six, Shake It Off. It's a good track. Do you want me to play some? I'll play you some. No, no. <laughs> you sure? No, you're not allowed, you're not allowed to. No, you're not allowed to. Well, why not? Uh, because of a contract that I signed when I agreed to do this podcast. <laughs> no Taylor Swift. You sure? Yes, I am 100% sure. <laughs> I, can, I can play some if you like. No, no, I'm really, really sure. <laughs> um, but okay, it, I mean, it is. A, it, I am. 
I mean, I'm not surprised because she's probably, you know, you know she's talking to someone who says, hey, you can make a lot more money doing it this way. But, she, you know, this is the whole Metallica suing. Well, it's not quite because she's she's going to be gone in a few years. But it's Metallica suing Napster thinking that they can stop the internet. It's like, it's not going to work. The only reason that people are buying your albums is because the iTunes model came in to replace the illegal market. And by you, and then the market diversified. And by you trying to narrow the market back down again, you, you're not going to win. It's stupid, absolutely stupid. The thing is, she's also missing the point. I mean, it isn't free. People pay to subscribe to the to, to these services, and guess what? Spotify ain't get to keep that money. They need to pay the music companies royalties that they've agreed with, which eventually uh, makes it to the artists. And I understand before you jump up and say, well, the artists don't see much of it. We, we know that, right? But that's the case across the board, across all models. The point is, it isn't free, yet she says, and I quote, it's my opinion that music should not be free, and my prediction is that individual artists and their labels will someday decide what an album's price point is. So um, she's saying that they will decide not the uh, not the retailers, but I don't, I don't know. Well, I think I she's think missing the, the point. consumers <laughs> might actually decide. Well, I, I think that's probably more true. Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, potentially not hers because you know her fans are not aware of anything that goes on in the world. But um, oh, you can't make these sweeping generalizations. Well, you just well, yeah, I can. <laughs> That's the whole point. That's why I'm on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to agree with me. <laughs> That's why we have you on the show because you're the shock jock. Yeah, I mean, I know that my the music that I like is appreciated by a very narrow focus and that's absolutely fine i've got no problem with that whatsoever but like the people that think this 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 stuff is amazing it's like just just wait a couple of years it's all gonna go away don't worry about it (laughs) is she gonna take it off youtube is she gonna is she gonna take it off radio like like is she gonna stop getting her songs played on the radio because you're listening to it for free yeah how much are people paying to listen to it on the radio is she gonna remove it from advertising because you know we're not paying to listen to it when it's on i mean obviously we're paying the sacrifice of our soul for having to put up with it but we're not actually putting out any money to pay when it's when it's on like so does and if we walk past a bar and they're playing it do we have to pay like yeah, a exactly, little bit ben. I mean, this for is hearing a, that you're absolutely right because this shows the naivety of where she's coming from so you know what Ben in all those situations that you just described someone is paying her music company for that music and she's eventually getting a few cents out of that so it is not free it, it, she's missing the point but anyway yeah. she can do what she likes, I guess. Although, uh, what I'm surprised is that her uh, music company hasn't uh, overridden that, overruled. I mean, because they own a mechanical rights, so I'm not. We're talking. Sh- a, we're talking about it. I mean, you've forced me to talk about Taylor Swift, so <laughs> she's obviously done something right. I mean, I've got, I've got zero interest in her. I shouldn't. I shouldn't know anything about her at all. Oh. I shouldn't even know that she's on Spotify, but because of this, I do. And I blame you for that. <laughs> I really want to play some more Taylor Swift. <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> All right, look, Ben, we'll end it there. We'll end it to the uh, tune of Taylor Swift. I want to thank you very much, Ben, for co-hosting. 
You're, you're almost welcome, but you kind of ruined it at the end. <laughs> you're never going to let me look this down, are you? You're not going to let me forget, forget this, are you? Because you're... Don't worry, I'm going to black this whole 10-minute segment out of my head. <laughs> hey, look, I can send you her album if you like. With... Yeah, I could send you something in a brown paper bag that smells as well if you, you know, quid pro quo. <laughs> okay, I'm going to end it there. That was episode 302. Thank you very much, Ben, once again. And thanks to our listeners. We hope to catch you next week. Until later, have yourselves a fantastic next seven days. See you next time. Goodbye.